We are joined by Thomas Mulcair, former leader of the opposition, former leader of the federal NDP. Now he's all ours as a political analyst on a Mulcair Monday. Good morning, sir. Good morning, John. All right. Scott was not impressed at the idea of the election watchdog in Ontario. His pitch is that we shouldn't have polls in the final days of an election campaign. Um, I tend to favor what the election watchdog is saying because I mean, first of all, the polls could be wrong, but even if they're right, then all of a sudden, you know, people don't vote because they think their party's going to win or they go out and strategically vote for somebody else because they want to bring somebody down and it kind of perverts the system. Well, it depends on how you're defining it. I I think that it is fair to say, like in the last day or so before the election, let let the dust settle, let people make up their own mind. But the less interference there is in the free exchange of ideas, the better off we are, I think, in a free and democratic society. So even if that includes polling, some of which is going to be biased and even sketchy, let let people make up their minds. I I think they're capable of doing that in this day and age. You know, John, there's so much out there. Go on to social media, you're in an election campaign, it's not immune to people making stuff up. So if you've got polling companies that have been around sometimes for decades, they've got a little bit more insight, generally more reliable. Uh, The more information, the better, as far as I'm concerned. I was reading an interesting column over the weekend about how governments go stale effectively. It was headlined how a government vision ages. What they were talking about was Justin Trudeau and company. And that's more or less in line with a lot of the stuff you've been talking about on our show for a good long time, which is this is just a government that has kind of drifted away from its excitement and its mandate. Yeah, and and it really is past its best before date there's all sorts of discussion about oh well will trudeau stick around if so when will he call the next election because i do think he's going to be the one to call it i don't think there's going to be enough impetus for the opposition parties to bring him down but at the same time we look at the big stuff the international things canada's done well in helping ukraine for example fight back against the illegal russian war being prosecuted against them but what have we done internally? I mean, it's it's shocking, the, the information that was published just this weekend, that there's been a 31% increase in the size of the federal civil service since Justin Trudeau became prime minister. Now, there's been an 8% increase in population, so some of that is, is programmable and understandable. But the deficits that go along with it, and at the same time, we're giving tens of billions of dollars to companies like McKinsey. Uh, to run the government stuff that the government doesn't know how to do. I don't know, John. I think the average Canadian is sort of going, you know, you got some of this stuff right. You've been a good image for us internationally. But the actual running the government part of the job, you don't seem to have that. And I think that that came out clearly in the recent budget. His lines are well tailored. He's looking for this fight with Poilievre. He's saying, I'm not spending, I'm not doing deficit spending. I'm investing in the future. Look at what we're, we're spending that money on. It's the green future. It's the new economy. So this is going to, if he does stick around, this is going to be his theme. He's going to have that epic battle with the right wing forces represented by Poiliev, and it's a battle he seems to want. You know, he, he pushed all of his chips to the middle of the table with that budget. He wasn't going to be cajoled into going with austerity and reducing spending. It's something that he seems to want, but I think he's losing hes losing the room. I think the average Canadian is saying, no, we need to be a little bit more careful. He can compare us to other G7 countries till the end of the till the end of the day, but it's it's not going to work. Well, something else that is probably losing the room is Stephen Gilbeau, the environment minister. He was on with Vashi Capellos yesterday morning, defending the fact that the price of carbon went up on Saturday. And I just, you know, I I think most people find this system of carbon tax and rebate so Byzantine that it just doesn't make sense to them. So it's an impossible sell. 
It is an impossible sell, especially when you approve big petroleum projects like Beijing. This is this is an you know you're at the bottom of the ocean. You're off Newfoundland and Labrador. It's going to be this massive petroleum play, and the same Stephen Gilbo is trying to sell that as being net zero for greenhouse gases. And the way he does that, he's saying, well, we'll take the petroleum out, but we'll send it to other countries, so it won't count on Canada's balance sheet. But Stephen, that's going to get burned somewhere in the on the planet and it's going to increase global warming and it's going to contribute to climate change so they're trying to play this two-step you know they try to put themselves forward mr trudeau had that great green tie that he wore for budget day you know it was hanging around in his closet in the march closet you know oh st patrick's day green tie we'll put it on for the budget that'll be our branding but people aren't buying it because despite this carbon tax we are nowhere near meeting our international obligations. Trudeau signed on to the Paris Accord in 2015, came back with Stephen Harper's plan and Stephen Harper's timelines and Stephen Harper's targets, and even that he didn't meet. So this is where there's a disconnect. You know, it's not a cap-and-trade system where you can guarantee a reduction. It's a carbon tax, and that's what Canadians are understanding. Their answer has always been, John, they're saying, ah, you're going to get a rebate check. Most your Canadian families will get the money back. What was interesting in Vashi Capella's interview with Gilbo on the weekend is that Gilbo made an admission. This is going to cost money to the average Canadian family. So that's going to be a tough sell. And this one is going to be an albatross around Trudeau's neck. I don't think Gilbo was using the recommended lines by the PMO on this one. Um, hard to phrase this, and uh, but you know, are Biden and Trudeau, as a result of the deal they made on the border, to blame for those dead migrants at Aquitasne? <laughs> But it's the migrants who died, and that's an incredible human tragedy. Lots of communities have been punched in the gut by this thing. But it's just a little glimpse as to what's happening on this almost 9,000-kilometer-long undefended border. And, you know, Dakwasasne, a big reserve that straddles Ontario, Quebec, and upstate New York. Lots of places there for smuggling. And now we're trafficking in humans. We're helping them cross the border one way or the other. It's it's unbelievable that we're living that in Canada in 2023, but there we are, John. And there are going to be other tragedies like that. And this is at the end of winter, but you can just imagine, you know, if when this happens during the winter, and it's so dangerous what's going on. Is it anybody's fault? Look, Trudeau and Biden came to an agreement to try to, to bring things under control. Biden's already in trouble for not controlling his southern border and these are people who are going from Canada into the States. The Roxham Road discussion was mostly about people coming up from the States and into Canada. Yeah. So we see that it's going both ways. Trudeau, in 2017, more or less to thumb his nose at Trump's uh, anti-Muslim rhetoric and policies, Trudeau tweeted, you know, Canadians welcome you if you're fleeing tough times, persecution, come to Canada. Well, a lot of people took him at his word, but now that the doors closed in both directions, it's going to be harder for him to explain that one as well. Okay, and curious for, about your quick thoughts of a link that we sent to you. It's a website yes. that collates articles that are effectively saying residential schools were no big deal. Right, and there's some serious people in there, but they have their own view. So this is what I consider denial of a genocide that did take place. The residential school system wasn't just cultural genocide. It was genocide as defined by the United Nations. So you have some people in there who are who have actually done real academic work, like Tom Flanagan. But Tom Flanagan's also said he's an American. He, he was 
close to Harper. Harper was the one who did the residential school apology, and it was something that he deserves credit for. Flanagan says, that, for example, the, the Métis people don't really exist. Well, when you start with that as, as a position, but he's done serious academic work. He, he's you know somebody who, who did tremendous work on the writings of Louis Riel. So it's a bit of a contradiction. He's sort of there, and he gives credibility to this thing, but these are people trying to deny the obvious. All the work that's been done concludes that this was a genocide. If people understand genocide to mean they were lining people up and killing them, no, it's not that. But people were sent into a residential school system with the express purpose of removing their language, their culture, their heritage, and yes, lots of those kids died from neglect and bad treatment. So it's it, it, I don't understand the purpose of trying to bring together, you know, confederate people who have this view that the residential school system maybe not so bad as, as being put out there. There's really been, John, there's been tremendous work done. We can be proud as Canadians that we have the guts to look these things in the eye and call them for what they are. I don't agree with this at all. I find it really objectionable what they're doing. Thank you, sir. Good to have you this morning. Always a pleasure. <laughs> Good to be with you, John. All the best. Thomas Mulcair, former leader of the federal NDP. And yeah, it came across my desk. And yes, there are some um, fairly noted columnists and uh, scholars, but this really is an attempt to whitewash the residential schools, I guess, because some people think it gives Indigenous people too much leverage. 